Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. To learn more about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, Texas, visit our website at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. Good morning. Our scripture for today is Romans 5, 12 through 14, which is on page 886 in the Bible in front of you. Go ahead and grab a Bible if you don't have one. My name is Shonda O'Neill, and I have been a covenant member here at the Door Church for four and a half years. Once again, we'll be in Romans 5, 12 through 14 today, and you can read along on page 886. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Moses to, from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam who was a type of the one who was to come. This is God's word. Amen. Thank you. Uh, if you're new here, my name is Scott Brooks. I'm the lead pastor on the preaching team. Um, and so there's only a few verses here, but it's uh, freighted with meaning. And so there's actually um, a lot in these few verses of just about uh, the overarching theology of Scripture. And so we're going to dive deeply into that. Uh, the first thing I want to point out is in verse 12, it says, therefore. And so if you ever see a therefore in Scripture, you should always go to the previous verses to help you understand the context of really why this is being written. And so verse 11, it says, more than that. We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And so uh, 12 through 14 is Lord willing to help us rejoice more in Christ uh, who's given us reconciliation. And so that's the purpose of 12 and 14 is that we would rejoice. Because I want to bring that up before we get into uh, the actual verses, because you're like, what in the world's going on? And the hope here is that you would go deeper into the reconciliation that Christ has provided, and then you would rejoice because it's about to get real heavy. That, that's why I'm telling you that. The, the purpose is rejoicing uh, if we, if we, if we um, hear rightly. Now, uh, I also just want to mention I love preaching through Scripture. I'm glad that we pick a Bible here at the door and we just kind of march through the Scriptures because I would not usually pick a text like this. Why? Because there's a big theological theme throughout it, and um, it, 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 it is heavy. And so this is forces us just to, to get in the text. And so this is the Word of God. So what we read is the Word of God. It's the Bible. And it's good and right for us to, to hear it. It's good for our soul to hear what the Word of God says, although it may be heavy and Lord willing, we will take hold of the reconciliation of Christ more clearly and more deeply that we would rejoice in him. So uh, the reason why it's so heavy, it's going to talk about our, our, uh, the condition of humanity. And so uh, everyone in here, I don't know if you're not, is, is a human. So your condition is what we're going to talk about uh, this morning, apart from Christ. Uh, apart from Christ, what is our condition uh, and, and why is that? And what's, what's the consequence of that? But the first thing I want to point out is Psalm 51, uh, verse 5 will help us as we get into verse 12. It says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. So the idea here is that you were brought forth from the very beginning of your birth, 
you are brought forth into what? Iniquity. That's a fun word. Uh, the iniquity, iniquitous heart is a self-centered heart, a heart bent in on self. So from the very beginning, you want to make everything about you according to the scripture. And furthermore, it says uh, in the second part, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So it goes from birth, you're all about you. And it goes even more deeply as you are being knitted together in your mother's womb, conception, you are brought into sin. And so that is, that is our sin nature. So a lot of us think, oh, we're pretty neutral. We have some good days, some bad days. What scripture just said is from conception, from your birth, uh, is that we have, we have a problem. There's a human condition. Ephesians 2 verse 3 says it this way, among whom we all once lived in, in, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we're by nature children around. So that's our nature. That's a, apart from Christ, who we are in ourselves. Our nature is children of wrath. And it goes on to say, like the rest of mankind. So you're like, well, who's in this category? Who's under this umbrella? It says, well, well, everyone. Everyone is by nature uh, a, a child of wrath. Now I'm going to go in and read verse 12. It says this, therefore... Just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all had sinned. And so what this is talking about, who, who is this first man, you may be asking, was talking about, uh, if you know your Bible, Adam, Adam the first man. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through what? Adam and death through sin, and so death spread what? To, to all men. Now, what it just said is because, because of Adam's sin, because of his transgression towards God, all, all have sinned. It was, it was, the door was kicked open, not through one man to all humanity. The disease of sin is passed down from our first father, Adam. It, it happens at conception as we're brought forth. We're, it's into iniquity. So the idea here is we have an inherited guilt. We have inherited sin. And you're like, well, that's not fair. Well, we'll talk about that here in a second, uh, if you want fair. Um, but furthermore, it just tells us because of Adam and Eve's sin, we all partake in this sin, and it affects everyone. It, it, it doesn't escape anyone. So another way to can say it is like there, there's, there's no good people. There's not one. You may think, be thinking, oh, I'm pretty good. The, the scripture right here says you're not. Uh, and uh, so that's what the word of God says. And we'll, we'll really double click on that uh, more here, here in a second. Uh, and inherited guilt, just to just say by, by birth, um, we, we are brought forth into iniquity. Uh, we see this if you have kids. And so one first thing I want to say is kids are awesome. <laughs> they're image bearers of God. Amen. They're beautiful, yet they're sinners. Like they come out brought forth in iniquity. Like the first words of, of my kids, all three of them was mom. I try to sabotage that by uh, saying dad a lot in their ears and, and just like, don't you want to say daddy? It was mom. And then shortly after it was like mine, it, mine. And that's not a word that Marcy and I say, I, I hope not a lot. We don't walk around the house just proclaiming mine, but for very shortly after our kids came out, it was mommy, then mine. And so it just proves that they want to make the world about themselves. Um, kids show this me-centered lives. And that, that, is the, that is that iniquitous heart that we, we all have. Now, um, you may be thinking, well, how can this be? Again, verse 12 says, 
Therefore, just as sin came into the world through what? One man and death through sin. And so death spread uh, to, to, to all men. You may, you may be right now, we're, we're gonna press, the word of God's gonna press on you this morning. You may be like, I don't like that. I don't, I don't like what I'm hearing. What I'm gonna say, even if you don't like it, it's true. Uh, even if you don't like it, it's true. It says that sin came into the world through Adam and through, through sin, death, and death reigns to, to all, all people. Whether you like it or not, we're all dying. I don't know, so I don't, I'm gonna ask you a question that's rhetorical. Have you ever known anyone that didn't die? Well, the answer is no. no like, well, why? Because sin is in the world. This disease is real. We all die differently. I can give you that. We're all on a trajectory uh, of, of, of death. Um, it's coming. And, and it's actually a grace of God to see. Uh, I got to do a funeral on Friday. And I'd say, man, it, it is, it, the verse I used in the funeral, it's better to, to go to um, the, the, the house of mourning than is the house of feasting. What it says, it's better to go to a funeral uh, than to a party. And the reason why it helps you, it says the living will lay it to heart. It's a grace of God to see your temporalness. And the root of that reason is our sin. The root of sin is death. And so what we're gonna see here is that we're all dying. And that came in through, through Adam. I wanna, go, I wanna go back to the very beginning because a lot of us right now are like, how in the world did we get here? Through Adam, sin into the world, because sin in the world, death to all men, this is, this is what we're living in. Uh, a, lot, a lot of people, one, don't like it, although it's true. Number two, um, we, we usually blame God, and that is a wrong, that's a wrong stance, and we've got to go back to the beginning to understand uh, why, um, why this is not God's fault and ours. So let's go to Genesis chapter 1, just the, the nature of, of God creating. In Genesis, it's the book of the beginnings. We got to go back to the beginning. How did sin into the world? Uh, and and where, where was our responsibility in it? And what is God's responsibility in it? Genesis 1 verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So God said, let us make man our own image. God in his goodness made us upright. He made us for fellowship with him and one another. You have the, the, the idea of, the Trinitarian, Trinitarian God there, God let, he said, let us make man our own image. He, he made us man and woman so we could have fellowship uh, with one another. Verse 28, and God blessed them. God spoke blessing over mankind as he made them. That's identity, that's purpose, that's dignity. This is God's part in creation. He made us in his image and likeness, man and woman. He made us have fellowship with him and, and one another. He blessed us and God said, Said, said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. He gave us a job. He gave us uh, delegated authority to subdue the earth. This is what God did in the beginning. He created us upright in his image. He blessed us. He gave us with purpose. Then in, in chapter two, uh, verses 15, it says this, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, 
But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So God created man upright. He made him to reflect his image. He blessed them, put them in the garden. He says, you can have any tree in the garden for food, any tree. So not, not, you can have this few trees. You can have any tree of the garden. You just can't have this one. There's one rule. And if you do this, the reason if you do this, you're going to die. This is a good God, a blessing God. So this is like me telling my kids, you can do anything. You can play in this area, but don't go run in the street. Now, why? Because if you run in the street, you're going to die. Does that make me a good dad or a bad dad? That's a good dad. Like, don't do that. That's going to hurt you. This is what he's saying. I have blessed you. Do this, not that, because I want life for you. And so the, it was clear instruction. And then we find out how it, how it went down in uh, Genesis 3 about the fall, the fracture. It says this uh, in verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave it to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open and they knew that they were naked. Now, this is, this is where it all went bad. So who's responsible for the sin then in the world? Well, it'd be Adam and Eve. Wouldn't it not? God created us good. He made us upright. He blessed us. He says, there's one instruction. Don't do this. If you do it, you're going to die. And they say, you know what? I'm going to cross that line. There's, there is, this, this is the first transgression. Transgression is like, they knew the rule. They, they knew better, but they willingly chose to disobey. They, they willing, Adam and Eve willingly chose to be enemies of God. They committed cosmic treason. So God did not, God did not uh, declare war against us. We declared war against God. And there's a fracture that we see systemically everywhere in, in creation. Sin into the world, and this, it, it's the curse of sin that we live under. Uh, it, now, now it, again, that's Adam and Eve's doing, not, not God's. And so from the very beginning, when Adam and Eve sinned against, sinned against God, what happened? There was shame. There was guilt. They hid from God. Why? Because there's a fractured relation with God because they willingly disobeyed God. Uh, so vertical relation with God has been severed, right? We committed treason against God, against the, the creator and author of life. If you rebel against the author, creator, and sustainer of life, you're on a trajectory of death. Whose responsibility is that? That's ours. Furthermore, not only do we have our vertical relation with God um, um, well, was fractured, but our horizontal relationships are marred with sin, fractured. Uh, God came to Adam and says, man, did you eat of the tree I told you not to? Why, why are you hiding? You, you know what he said? He didn't, say, he didn't take full responsibility. He said, no, no, it was the woman, the woman that you, you gave me. She did it. Could you imagine the rest of the relationship? I mean, not, it didn't go well, right? God's confronting him about his responsibility, immediately points his, his finger at his wife. They probably had to go some, through some serious counseling. Furthermore, uh, God went to Eve and said, man, wh what did you do? And he's like, the, the devil made me do it. So continual blame shifting and, and um, backbiting. And, and then we see in the grace of God, he, he, the first death, occurred. He, he, shed, uh, he shed the blood of an animal and covered them, uh, which is a pointer to Christ. He covered Adam and Eve's uh, just nakedness and shame by, by the animal. And then they give birth to, to, uh, to two sons. And we know from, from that, Cain killed Abel. And this, this brokenness in the world is everywhere. Now, the question is, who's, who's responsible? 
what we, we are. Like everything that you see in the world gone wrong in relationships uh, is not God, it's us. And this is helpful to understand, understand that came through, through Adam. And a lot of us right now uh, will have a hard time hearing that because like, well, I wasn't Adam. Um, and and what, I, what I'd say, this is absolutely fair. This is called federal headship. It's like <laughs> Adam being the first human represented us all. It's like a team captain re- representing a team or when David went to go uh, represent Israel against Goliath, it, it was the one. And through that one's victory or loss, it all spread. And it helps us understand this is, this, is why, this is why we are the way we are. This is why the world is the way it is. Ecclesiastes 7.29 helps us as well understand this. It says this, see this alone, I have found that God made man upright. So this is the summary of Genesis 1 and 2. God made man, what, upright. This is what he did. What did we do? But they have sought out many schemes. I like that it says they, not just Adam and Eve sought out many schemes. We are, we image our first father, Adam. And we, we, uh, we search out many schemes and sins. So not only are we sinners by nature, inherited guilt by, by Adam, but also by choice. Let's read 12 again. It says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through what one man, uh, so by nature, we received the sin and death through sin. So death spread to all men, what? Because all had sinned. This is choice. Now, the idea, idea here, here is not only by, by nature are we sinners, but by our choice. So a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, you know, I'll, I'll just say this. All of us in here have done really bad things. And you're like, well, yeah, you, you have. Uh, and what I've always heard when someone does bad things is like, well, I'm not a bad person. They like try to distance themselves from what they did. And it's like, well, and, and I've often heard it's like, well, that's not really me. Well, that was really you who did that. I'm not like trying to like, that's, that's real. That was what happened. And that is just proving it's proving our sin nature. Our choices prove who we are. Now, some of us still don't believe that. Like, I'm a pretty good person. The word of God, I'm just going to say, is going to disagree with you. Like, you're made in his image and likeness. That is true. But you're not primarily a good person. In the next part, it says, because all of sin, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. We have a hard time believing our depravity and the gift of the law is like a mirror so we can understand our depravity. So the 10 commandments is a diagnostic tool to help us understand the nature of our depravity. Why? So we can count, so we can understand, comprehend our sin before a righteous, holy God. So if you go down by by the letter of the law, the the 10 commandments, it's not meant, see a lot of us think the 10 commandments like, I just got to obey so God will love me. That, that you will never do that. This is meant to be uh, a, a tool to help you understand that, that you fall way short of the glory of God. I'll just go down a few of the Ten Commandments to help you as a diagnostic tool to help us understand how deep the sin is in our hearts. This root. It says, you shall have no other gods before me. That's the first commandment. Every time, every time you willingly choose to disobey God, you're saying, I want something else to be my God. That's transgression. So many of us are like, oh, I just didn't know. That's a lie. You do know, and you, you know the line. And you know what? You willingly cross over that line. That's, you know, we're choosing something else to try to be our God. 
Furthermore, it talks about do not, do not take uh, the Lord's name in vain. Um, you know, anytime that we don't approach God's name as reverent and awe and worship, it's taking it in vain. We're not seeing him rightly. We're not hallowing his name. Um, it talks about remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. You know why God tells us to keep it Sabbath? One, it helps put you in your place. So many of us don't rest. Why? Because we think we're the God of our own lives. We think we got to work because we actually think we're the ones providing. You know how dishonoring to God that is? Did you create? Did you sustain? So let me ask you, how, how much do you rest? How much do you take a day off and say, God, that's all you? When you don't rest, what you're saying, that's all me. And furthermore, he made the Sabbath so you would find rest in him. He cares about you. You know how many times I've neglected the Sabbath? And I don't say it like, like, look at me. Like, it's so discouraging. How often I think I do things. And there's like, that's my heart of hearts. Who's actually doing what around here? It says to honor your father and mother. How, how often do you show respect and dignity to your, your father and mother? And, and I know they're not perfect, but man, they, God gave, the, gave them to you as a gift and you were called to honor them, to love them, to respect them. It says in scripture that we should not murder. And a lot of people, well, I got one. No, you didn't. Like anytime that you wish, it says, and Jesus interpreted this in the Sermon on the Mount, if you have murder in your, in your heart or anger in your heart, this is the seeds of murder. Anytime that you roll your eyes at someone and, and kind of wish away their existence, you've committed murder in your heart. Like anytime that you're like, I wish they would just go away. Like I just want to cut them out of my life. Or if they just didn't work here, right? That, what is that? That's, that's murder in our hearts. It talks about don't commit adultery. And I'm not, I'll, you know, some, some have done, done this actual, but in adultery in our heart is, I mean, when you look at a person with lustful intent, someone else catches your imagination that's not your spouse. If we, if we had to take this test over our lives for a day, you know what your grade would be? A zero, a zero. You're like, well, I don't like to think about it that way. That's what God wants you to see. We'll get to why. Why? Because we want you to have the reconciliation of Christ and to rejoice in Christ. But for you to see that, you have to come to what? To the end of yourself. For you to worship Christ, to rejoice in Christ, you know what you have to come to? The end of yourself. See, a lot of us want to blame other people. No, God's saying, no, you're responsible. This is your reality check. Just because you think you're a good person doesn't mean you are. The reality is you're not. And God in his grace wants you to have this diagnostic understanding, not not to shame you, not to condemn you, but to save you. It says in James, this law is a law of liberty. How in the world would I just say is a law of liberty? Because God needs to save you from trying to save yourself. He needs you to come to the end of yourself so you can have the salvation that he brings in his son. He needs you to come to understand you are not the answer. You will never be the answer. You can't be the answer. You know the person who gets help is the person that asks for help. You know, so many of, you know, you, you look at people who, who have uh, problems with addiction and all of us do to some degree. It may not be alcohol or drugs, but you're addicted to something. It's to confess, I have a problem. It's the, it's someone asks for help. God answers this prayer when we come to the end of self uh, to ask for help. It's one, probably the most godly prayer. Help because God is willing to be a strong arm of help in his son. But we're allergic to this. I'm just telling you, I'm allergic to it. You're allergic to it. In my flesh, I will, I will, I will be so stubborn, stiff-necked 
You know why? Because I'm very self-righteous. I'm very arrogant. I can do it. And God's saying, no, you can't. You can't. That's why if you ever have a performance review, you can't hear a critical word. Why? Because you know you're a failure and you can't take any criticism. You know why you may not want to go to the doctor? Because you know eventually you're expiring. You don't want to hear the doctor say, hey, eventually this is what's going on. Why? Because you know how this ends. You know why you can't lose? You, I don't know if you know this. I, I can't look at losses. If I can look at wins all day. I'm, all, I'm, I'm in. I'm going to look at the record. Yeah, look at that. If I lose or we lose, I'm like, I don't even want to look at it. Why? Because it just confirms what I know in my heart, that I'm a failure, that I don't measure up. And here's why. In our flesh, in our self-righteousness, we can't confess. Why? Because we know a confession leads what? To condemnation. That's how the world works. If you confess, there's a sentencing happening. If you confess, you're guilty. So just put it this way. If, if, if a kid gets in trouble at school, I'm like, who did that? You kids don't go like, oh, it was me. Why? Because they know a detention's coming, right? They don't want to confess. They're like, I'm going to try to get away with this. I don't want to be judged. That's why there's, there's no guilty people in prison. You go around and ask someone in, in jail, like, hey, did you do it? It's like, no, I'm, I'm innocent. Why? Because they know a confession leads what? To a, to a sentencing. The spirit of God by the word of God will allow you to, to see when you confess, there's not condemnation, but there's covering. That's the gospel. This is the good news. This is why it's so amazing. When you confess, when you come to the end of yourself, your confession allows you to experience the covering of Christ. That he has dealt not in par, but in full for your sin. That he'll bring the comfort of Christ into your hearts. This is by the spirit of God, we can confess our sin and fear no condemnation. Why? Because Jesus has taken it. See, he wants you to come to the end of yourself so you can taste the sweetness of Christ. Your sin has to be bitter so you can taste the sweetness of Christ. Christianity is not you just becoming a better version of yourself. That is not true. Christianity is reaching out for the Savior's hand and allowing his grace to grip you. See, verse 14 tells us the whole point of this line of thought. It says, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who were, uh, whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. Listen, who was a type of the one who was to come. See, what he's saying is like, you're going to feel the weight of this, but it helps you look for the one to come. You are not the answer, but we're looking for the one to come. So I, I need you to hear this. The entire Bible is about this, this righteous one to come. This is not a, primarily about you. It's about him. It's about Christ. I'll give you one example, and then we'll close. Genesis 18, if you know, know your Bible, Sodom and Gomorrah. You end up knowing the, the, you know, the, the, the city got just absolutely destroyed. And it says in scripture, why? Because they had grievous sins before a righteous holy God and their sin deserved judgment. Now, God revealed to Abraham that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Here's their dialogue about the righteous one that we need to come to stand in, in, in our place on our behalf. Verse 23, then Abraham approached him and said, so God's, uh, Abraham's gonna go to God and like, Hey, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Because he's not understanding who's, who's wicked and who's righteous. Verse 24, what if there are 50 righteous pe- people in this city? If there's 50 righteous people, will you not spare the city for the 50 righteous people? Verse 25 says, far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked. He's like, you wouldn't kill the righteous with the wicked. Treating the righteous and the wicked alike, 
And he says, far be it from you, will not the judge of all the earth do what's right? He says, if there's, if there's righteous in the city, you will not destroy the city. He goes on to say, if there's 50 righteous in the city, God, will you destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? And you know what God said? If there's 50 righteous, I will spare the city. And then Abraham goes back and says, okay, okay, what if there's 45 righteous people in the city? Will you destroy the city? What if there's 35 righteous people in the city? Will you destroy this city? And God says, I will not, I will not destroy this city if there's 35. If there's 30, if there's 20, if there's 10, if there's 10 righteous, God, will you destroy the city? The answer is no, I will not destroy the city. What was the whole point of that? If there's one righteous, God, will you destroy the city? The answer is no, I will not destroy the city. See, the idea is there is a righteous one and we are not it. His name is Jesus, Jesus the righteous. And he stands on our behalf. He is our representative. You're either on team Jesus or team Adam. If you're a team self, you're on team Adam. You have to come to yourself and come to Christ. See, Jesus is the true and better Adam. He's the true and better Adam who passed the test in the garden that he completely obeyed where we disobeyed. And his obedience is imputed to us. We are righteous not because of our, our righteous acts, because of his. That is the best news possible. And when you come to the end of yourself, you can receive the righteousness of Christ. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It says, for our sake, he made him to be sin. Jesus was completely sinless, completely obedient, but he took our sin on the cross so that in him we might what? Become the righteous of God. This is the gospel. This is the doctrine of justification. There's one righteous and there is. He is our advocate before a righteous holy God, although we're sinners. We can confess our sin and find the covering of Christ. When we confess, we can be comforted by the love of Christ. See, I'm going to read verse 11 again, and then we'll close. But it says this, more than that, more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. You will rejoice and praise Jesus as Savior and King if you understand that you cannot reconcile yourself. When's the last time that you stood in awe of the amazing grace that he offers you, that he would pardon you and not his son, that you can stand righteous, although you are not, although I am not, you can be righteous in him. If you see that, you will rejoice today. You'll walk in the comfort of Christ today. You can walk out confident today in Christ. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us see the truth of the gospel more clearly. We thank you. We thank you for Jesus, the righteous, the one who came and died and rose again so we can have a life. Help us confess our pride, confess our self-righteousness, confess our sin so we can find covering, refuge, and comfort where can be found, which is in your son. I pray, God, that you would move in our hearts and our lives this morning, that we would rejoice in you, maybe for the first time, that we that taste the sweetness of forgiveness, taste the sweetness of grace, of reconciliation, that we're not your enemies, but we're, we're your sons because of Christ. And maybe that it's people that have been a Christ follower for a long time, that we go deeper into our reconciliation to see all that Jesus is for us, that we stand in his comfort, that he would be our defense, our one defense, not a reputation, not what people think, who Christ is for us. Help us be strengthened in the gospel this morning. We ask that in Jesus' powerful name.